0: Who steps in to support and advocate for kids when families fall apart? Who stands next to them in the courtroom and makes sure they have more than the clothes on their back? And who supports those advocates so they can keep doing this important work? Today we have the privilege to talk with CASA for Kids Foundation Executive Director Charlie Tardabuono and Director of Programming and Development Barbara Moss to find out what they are doing to help court-appointed special advocates help the most vulnerable kids in our community. Charlie is the first director of
1: the foundation and comes from a long career in for-profit and non-profit companies at a pretty high level. He worked in the aerospace and semiconductor industries as well as in international relief and development. Barbara started at the foundation as an AmeriCorps VISTA member in the spring of 2020. She studied the effects of institutionalized poverty and inequality as an undergrad and had her own experience as a child in the system. Barb brings this
0: combined knowledge and compassion to the work, as you will get to hear in this episode. This is the Prescott Woman podcast, an audio supplement of Prescott Woman magazine. And we're your hosts, Kelly Roberge and Charles Matthews. All right, let's get local. Hello and welcome to the Prescott Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Roberge, and I am here with my intrepid co-host, Charles Matthews. Hey, everybody. And we are so pleased today to be talking with two people from CASA for Kids, one of our favorite organizations here in town, Barbara Moss and Charlie Tardabuono. Welcome. Hi, Kelly and Charles. It's
2: really great to be with you guys today. Uh, Yavapai Costa for Kid Foundation is also one of my favorite organizations in town. So, that works great.
0: We are agreed. And Charlie, tell us what you do at Casa.
3: Well, I'm the executive director and I have been with the organization for just about a year and have come from a nonprofit sector and then before that quite a few other industries.
1: Yeah, you have a long and, and really interesting resume, and, and we're going to kind of ask both of you in a little bit, like, what, what brought you to Casa for Kids and, and why is it your favorite nonprofit uh, besides the fact that they signed the paycheck? But kind of before we get into that, I know for people listening right now, um, if, if they're anything like me, uh, they get a little bit confused about all of the youth-serving organizations that are in town, and that's a, that's a great thing that there are a lot of youth-serving organizations in town. But there's also I remember being confused about, you know, there's there's a person who's a CASA, there's an organization that's CASA. Um, can you just kind of explain from the big picture what is the, what is the big problem that the CASA for Kids Foundation is trying to solve or heal, and 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 how are you going about doing it?
3: Okay, well there is a there is a, there is some confusion, and uh, uh, the state, and then of course the county court system has a program called CASA. And it's court-appointed special advocates, and so the court system, when a child is separated from a family, um, the court will assign an advocate for that foster child. And Yavapai Casa for Kids, which is our organization, is a support organization to casas. So we supply uh, services and goods and so on that they can't acquire for themselves, so they don't have to pay out of pocket.
0: Yeah. So those those CASA volunteers are seeing kids when they're having their worst days.
1: Separated from their families. What
0: what does it mean to be in the system?
2: Yeah. So I just want to add on to that, you know, CASAs are the eyes and the ears of the court. So these are people that, you know, are volunteering their time that are giving back to these these kids really directly. Uh, And so oftentimes they might be somebody on the team that is, The only consistent person in these kids' lives. So that's really important on that front. To be in the system is a lot of things. So there's trauma, um, there's stress. But what we can do and what these CASAs can do is create a sense of normalcy. So we have programs like Grants for Kids that can help these kids go on family vacations to have bedding. Uh, CASAs can just be a really consistent person, adult that is in these kids' lives that are really just advocating for that child somebody that is always on their side. So that is what we're here for, for kids in the system. Because, and again, it's, it's different for all kids. And I'll share more later, but I kind of worked through the system a little bit as a young person. And so my experience is very different than other people's. And and so it means a lot of different things.
1: And these kids who are separated from their families, they're not, these are not uh, juvenile delinquents. These are not kids that are in trouble with the law. These are kids for whatever reason their families aren't, it's not the best place for them, at least temporarily. Is that kind of a good way to describe the, the kids that the CASAs are working with and that you're supporting?
3: Yes, that's that's exactly right. And and often these children are taken away with nothing. They have nothing but clothes on their backs. And so they they are disadvantaged in so many ways. And as you use, use the word traumatic, and that's exactly what it is. So we want to help the CASA program, and then of course, more indirectly, the uh, foster children to, as as Barbara pointed out, is to provide some
1: normalcy. Yeah. You know, I think about, you know, what it's like to, to go to court. You know, I didn't have to go to court until I was in my forties and I, you know, and I, and I can't imagine, you know, what it must be like for a little kid to, have to be in front of a judge and see all these adults with their paper and their ties and because
0: they can't understand it on an adult level at all and what the experience must be like for them it it has to be scary and confusing what do you hear what do you hear from the kids or from the casas reporting back about what the kids experience when they have to go to court
2: yeah so that's a really great question It's just a lot. So like you're saying, Kelly, is that kids at a young age might not understand necessarily why I'm standing here, what's going on, but they can see that I'm over here and my parents are over there and there's a lot of emotions happening and I'm feeling a lot. I have big emotions, but I'm in a little body. But I think what happens oftentimes is that we forget that there's kids in foster care who aren't two and three. It's a lot of adolescents. It's a lot of teenagers. So they're very aware of what's happening. They're very aware of what's going on. They're very aware that um, there's troubles at home that are a lot different than their peers. And so, you know, we don't maybe hear a ton of actually how it works in court, um, but it is open. And I've attended a couple of sessions and it's really emotional. So you have adoption days, which are really great, which are really positive. There's a lot of different emotions. Um, But then you have maybe severance days or things like that where. It's, it's just not going to happen. Reunification is not the end uh, the end that we were hoping for. And so it doesn't always happen. And you kind of have to just be prepared for that sometimes.
0: Sounds like the stakes are really high for some, some families.
2: Yeah, it's really huge. And it's, it's stressful. And we talk about, you know, the foster parents and we talk about the CASAs and we talk about all these teams. But at the end of the day, it's for this one kid who's standing there knowing like or not knowing which is worse, right? What the heck is going to happen tomorrow?
1: And what have been the trends lately in numbers of kids, uh, in the system in, in, in foster care separated from their families? Is it, is it rising? Is it
0: yeah? Is the pandemic having an effect?
1: That's what we understand. The numbers are increasing
3: pretty quickly. And unfortunately the courts are even having difficulty, uh, uh, recruiting additional CASAs, uh, and actually it's interesting, Friday, we're, we're hosting here at our facility a statewide uh, CASA support conference, and in this conference, we have leaders from other, uh, like organizations, and one of the major topics is going to be recruitment. We want to try to figure out how to put together a statewide campaign to recruit additional CASAs in support of all of our local organizations.
1: That's great. we definitely want to talk later about how people Mm -hmm. listening to this can get involved in, in the foundation and, and as a CASA, but, you know, just going through your website, you, you all have so many different programs that, that are this sort of, sort of, I don't know, I'll get a little mushy. There's, it seems like a loving wraparound, like on the one hand, there's just like little things like, you know, a, a card writing campaign to kids so that somebody's communicating with them, Um, you know, supplemental and emergency clothing drives so that kids, as you say, who get taken out of their homes, you know, at a moment's notice can can get some clothes on their back or a backpack to take a school to take to school, you know, and then there's some bigger things like being able to provide educational grants for kids, the independent living skills program for those adolescents who are who are coming out of of foster care coming out of the system. You know, I described it as, you know, kind of loving wraparound, but what is it for you all that ties, see, I shouldn't feed you your answers. That's bad. That's bad. <laughs> bad podcast journalism. Hosting. But what, what for you kind of ties all those programs together? Well, it's interesting. There is a lot of
3: tragedy that we discover in this work and the, the bright spot, the encouraging part of our work are the programs that we have put in place. And Barbara is the, our director of programming, so I'll let her go ahead and explain about several of these programs that we think really make a difference in the lives of these children.
2: Yeah, so I love what you're saying, Charlie, is is the bright spot. So even so far in, this, in these few minutes we've been talking, it's all about the bad, right? But there's good things that happen, too, and we can be with them throughout that. So like you were saying, as simple as our celebration cards program. So if they get a good grade or they get on the soccer team or a youth comes home and is just like, I had a really, really good day for the first time in a few months. Let's celebrate that. And so we provide gift cards to DCS and CASA where they can just go out and maybe that's getting a meal or maybe that's going to pick up a new toy. I mean, it really is, it's a really great thing to be able to provide a little bit of happiness when they're already happy, because we want to encourage that, right? And then we have, like you said, our Keys to Success program. Like I was mentioning earlier, and I do this because I'm really passionate about this age group the teenagers, they are oftentimes kind of forgotten within the system. They have transitioned into a new case plan. Uh, Reunification is generally not the goal, adoption is generally not the end goal as well. So we actually partner with Arizona Friends of Foster Children Foundation to bring that program up here to Yavapai County. And what they do is we create really individualized, um, indi- we create really highly individualized learning programs. And so this is to encourage independent skills. We They create and they have to retain and obtain a uh, a job. They have to have an education goal. They have to have career goals and life goals. I mean, truly something as simple as how do I open a bank account is something that generally speaking, your parents would have taught you. But for a lot of these kids, especially if they've been in the system for a long time, there hasn't been a consistent presence to teach them those skills. So things like the celebration cards all the way up to really transitional living is is really important to us to allow these kids to see that somebody cares about them. But more importantly, to maybe aid some of that trauma or ease some of that trauma in the long run.
1: Great, great. And, you know, Kelly and I talk about this all the time, like, why didn't somebody help us with transitional living skills? Why did it take us until our 40s to...
0: everybody kind of needs those skills. So it's great that you're helping kids who have been, who have, you know, received all the disadvantages to at least have some of those really important advantages of understanding how to take care of themselves yeah. out in the world. That's fantastic. And it sounds like you had some experience, Barb, with that yourself. Is is there any of, of your story that you want to share with the audience about that?
2: Yeah, I can share a little bit. So I, mine was when I was much younger. So I was in middle school when I kind of went through uh, a little bit of this. This phase, right? And so I had one parent who was really great, and then I had one parent who was not, kind of just leave it there, right? And so there's a wicked divorce, there's a wicked just like custody battle, things like that. And then there's supervised, well, it shouldn't have been supervised visitations, right? But that's what they were. And so going through supervised visitations, unsupervised, and then kind of back to supervised, not really knowing if somebody was going to pick you up on Friday afternoon. Uh, not knowing if they were going to drop you back off on Sunday evening. So there's a lot that kind of goes with that. And so I'm really lucky in the fact that I had one parent who was very present and very aware, but having to work within the system of having a guardian ad litem, I didn't have a CASA or anything, but somebody who had to represent me at court and having to go to court as a young person and just trying to advocate for yourself at 11 years old. And advocating for even a younger sibling is not something that a young person should have to do. Sorry, I'm gonna get emotional. Is <laughs> not something a young person should have to do. And so a lot of these kids don't have anybody for them on their side except their CASA. And that's if they have a CASA, like Charlie was saying, they have troubles recruiting these people uh, to advocate for, for these young people. Uh, and that's really, really powerful for a lot of these kids because nobody should have to do that.
0: Absolutely. I, I can't even imagine my parents split when I was about that age, too. And I can't imagine having to go to court and and deal with adults behaving badly in that way. Mine behaved themselves pretty well. But how many how many kids does a, a an average CASA take on? Does it vary quite a bit?
2: Yeah, it really varies, Kelly. So a lot of times I do believe it's about one to one. And that's just, again, so that you can really focus. Sometimes CASAs will take like sibling groups. And so that makes it a little easier to understand kind of what's happening in that family and what's going on through that process. But I think I even know a CASA that has up to three kids. So it can really vary on how, how much time you have that you're kind of willing and able to, to put in and then where that case is. So I think really where that one is is, I think it might have been going up to adoption or severance. But the cool thing about CASA's is it doesn't end once they leave the system for whatever reason. It's a lifelong friendship. It's a lifelong relationship between that that youth who ends up being an adult, right? And the Casa.
0: So that's really cool. That's very cool.
1: Barbara, I just want to go back and, you know, and thank you for sharing your story a little bit and, and thank you for letting a little bit of emotion come through because you know, when we when we pretend that these things aren't emotional, when we try and uh, distance ourselves from our emotions, it, it prevents us from from taking action, from being present for those who are vulnerable, who need us. So so thanks for being a little okay. bit emotional. Oh, um, thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but to, to skip around a little bit, I'm just, you know, Charlie, you had a, a you know a successful career in in business and nonprofit leadership and a consulting career. What made you join Casa for Kids as, as their first executive director? This has been a big change for the organization to to start hiring some some staff.
3: Right. Well, I I try to condense the story. So I've been in nonprofit and for profit, like i had mentioned, mentioned, uh, for a number of years as an executive and uh, various leadership roles. And but I was traveling around the world a lot. I have a 21 year old son with Down syndrome who needs me here. So I made the decision that, you know what, I need to be home and I want to continue working and contributing uh, to the uh, nonprofit arena. And so I, you know, I started, I I actually worked for Boys and Girls Club for a while. And then I was introduced to the foster care system through some friends. In fact, it was uh, the Mangarelli's. And I, I started getting a soft spot in my heart. And so when this opportunity came up, it's like, I am going to jump right on this. And, and I'm glad we did, because uh, you, you, when you see a, that you can make a difference, it means the world, right? Uh, you know, climbing ladders and so on. I, you know, I went through all that and I could care less about. And so the work that we do truly impacts kids. Part of our mission statement has been meeting the unmet needs. And so our programs are designed to do that. And then with our small staff, we're working to become more efficient and more effective in what we do to serve the community. And we're actually getting ready to to uh, design uh, new programs that can expand the work that we do. And we're really excited about that.
1: Great, great. I can't, can't, yeah, can't wait I'm to hear about, about
0: that. I'm excited about that too. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. And can you explain a little bit about, you know, the evolution of of Casa for Kids Foundation you know it used to be an all volunteer organization and you know what what led the the board and and the and the volunteer leadership to start paying people to do this work a lot of people think nonprofit work shouldn't sh- you know shouldn't pay anybody that it should be all volunteer you know w- what what made the change why why go for that
3: I think our board recognized after about 16 years is what I understand. 16 years as a volunteer-led organization. Uh, but the effectiveness was just not uh, there that they, they they realized they needed to become more effective. And again, from coming from a nonprofit uh, world, y- you really need dedicated people. I mean it's wonderful that a lot of our board members have full-time jobs. But they can't pay attention to the details, day-to-day operations. We still have. uh, Many of our programs are led by board members under Barb's direction. But with that, we are now putting in very clear business principles. We're putting those into operation. We are managing these programs professionally. We're collecting metrics on their effectiveness so we know how to budget better, uh, what to continue doing, what to stop doing. Uh, so it's a whole level of professionalism that can't be achieved by having just a pure volunteer-based organization. It's just, they, we outgrew it. And it's moving out of mom-pop into a professionally run organization. And I've seen this, by the way. I've seen this in, in companies that had budgets of hundreds of millions, still kind of running uh, kind of mom-pop, a lot of volunteers, and it just doesn't work. Uh, Not when you really want to expand the mission and the kids need us too much. And so with that, we take it to heart, uh, you know, Barb and I and uh, the manager of our visitation center, we meet all the time about strategies and business principles that could make us more effective. And so the wisdom of our board that really put this into motion and we're proud of them for that, to recognize that they need to take this organization to the
1: next level. Great, it just keeps, you know, this is probably a little bit too old for for Barbara to connect with, but the Judy Garland. Uh, oh, let's
0: put on a show. <laughs> let's put Mickey on a show. Rooney, yeah.
1: Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland. I've got a trunk full of costumes in the attic. We can raise money yeah. for the orphanage if we just put on a show. It'll be great.
0: Oh. I mean, congratulations to your board for recognizing the benefit of hiring smart, dedicated people and paying them to be full time to make this happen. Because you're right. It's I mean, we agree with you wholeheartedly yeah, that it's too important.
3: Right. And it's important. And I think this is what we're talking about. It's not just about raising money. It's taking the money that we've been uh, gifted and being good stewards of that money to making every dollar stretch further to, to have greater impact with more people, more children and families in the community. And that's where we're going. In fact, uh, one, one of the goals that uh, we've established is we also, the Avopai Casa for Kids, uh, uh, we want to be a model for other uh, support organizations throughout the country. You know, we have how many? I think 13 counties. I, I I can't remember how many counties we have. And again, we're meeting Friday. Um, uh, some don't even some don't even have support councils, but the CASA programs are in every county. And so we want to be a model, something that uh, another organization can pick up and say. Here are the different uh, board uh, process and policies and the uh, corporate process and policies, operation plans, you know, all the things that make an organization effective. uh, We want to make that, we want us to become a model that we can give to other organizations
1: great well that, that would be that would help
0: oh yeah help
1: us feel proud about living in yavapai county if Absolutely. Uh, if costa for kids is, is creating exportable change uh to the other counties so the other kids who who, as you say who need us who need who need what you all do
0: prescott woman shows its dedication to this community in all the ways they cover local stories feature local businesses honor local leadership, champion local causes, and raise money for local nonprofits. Each issue contains gorgeous photography and provides pages and pages of value, all for free.
1: And if you are enjoying this podcast, be sure to check out our previous episodes at prescottwomanpodcast.com.
0: This episode is an extension of a story in the current issue of Prescott Woman magazine. For more on the Casa for Kids Foundation, pick up the August-September issue available now. This gorgeous lifestyle and business magazine is free at locations all over town. Go to prescottwomanmagazine.com distribution to find the location nearest you or subscribe at prescottwomanmagazine.com to make sure you get your issue as soon as it comes out.
1: Okay, now back to our talk with Charlie and Barb. We'll find out about their big vision for the program, and you'll find out how you can get involved.
0: I have a completely unfair question, and maybe we'll even cut it out. I don't expect you guys to have all the answers, because obviously the problems are systemic, and they're huge, and they've been going on for generations the the problems that that create the need for casas what drives you crazy what do you wish would happen upstream to either put you guys out of work or or shift the system so that you could be helping in a different way
3: and it sounds like you're talking about prevention right uh, preventing uh, the the root you know the root cause of these problems, and that is a big, big, big question, isn't it? I mean, the variables are enormous. Um, our culture is changing, and it's uh, you know, in some will argue the decline in morality, uh, <laughs> the decline in common sense, even right. And while that's not specifically in our charter, it is something we desire: is prevention, and. If we can't prevent that, and we have to uh, initiate our services to help a family or a child, we want to have them effective so we can break the cycle. So where we can participate, where we can make a difference, we hope is in that. Let's see what we can do to help break the cycle um, that we see in our community. And that's, in fact, you had asked earlier. Uh, you know, is, is it on the increase? Yeah, it is. And if we can break that cycle through helping these kids, encouraging them, let them understand their self-worth, providing the tools for them to feel good about themselves and to provide the education uh, that will help them break that cycle. That's what we can do. And that's uh, that's one of our major goals.
0: So you really are going upstream in a certain way, depending on how you look at it. Pretend, depending a, on the time, yeah. The time
1: scale. Yeah. yeah.
0: Every kid you help. Yeah. If If half or three quarters of them don't repeat the behaviors, you're preventing just countless, countless cases downstream.
2: Yeah, just to include every kid as one caring adult from being a success story. And while we're not technically a person, hopefully our program can be that support system for some, some of these youth.
1: Right. And that quote you just, you just mentioned is from Josh Shipp, who was in foster care himself. So he, he knows, he knows of what he speaks for sure.
2: Yes. I did not say that. Please do quote that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I could say this,
3: that between our board and our staff, we take it seriously that we are here for the one, for the right reasons, and that we recognize that where we fit into the grand scheme of nonprofit work in this arena, we're kind of after the fact. But that doesn't mean we can't participate in changing the bigger picture.
1: Mm. Yeah, love it. Love it. So now we're going to ask you another really uncomfortable question. Like I said, you've got a bunch of different programs out there. you get the, you know the Life Skills program for, for kids aging out. you got the card writing campaign. You're supporting these CASAs. What's your favorite program, Barbara?
2: My favorite program is probably Grants for Kids. Uh, and that is because it is accessible to all of the foster youth. Grants for Kids is my favorite because it truly is, oh, it's just so incredible. So, really, anybody who's working with these kids, including themselves, can write in. And like I said in the beginning, request things as small as just betting. Some kids re- request like a graphing calculator. I mean, these are really simple things, all the way up to I mean sports registration or prom dresses or family vacation. I mean those are the things that families need to do, kids need to do just because they're in foster care, something happened that's not their fault. They deserve to have a life that they also enjoy living.
1: Yeah, most of us take that for granted, right? Vacations, graphing calculators, clothes for the prom, you know, my my family had kinda of had to scrimp and save to make those things available for me, but they made right. it happen. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and so that begs the question, at least for me, is do you guys have a wish list somewhere that people can show up and say, oh, well, here, I'll buy a graphing calculator? You know, is that something you want?
2: One of my one of my favorite things about most of our programs is everything that we provide is brand new and which is really special because a lot of these kids, maybe this is the first time they've had a brand new outfit or a brand new dresser. So that's really cool. But I will say we, whenever donating to Yavapai Casa for Kids Foundation, you are able to select the program that you would like your funding to go to. So if you would like it to go directly towards Grants for Kids, um, you can make that happen or wherever you see fit. And then uh, our toy chest, we do accept brand new donations for that. If somebody is interested in that, they could reach out to us and see what kind of What's really popular right now, or what is being requested a lot, and so that's how I would recommend going through that. But who knows? Maybe one day we'll set up a larger, a larger donation-based uh, program.
1: As a as a former nonprofit executive, I will just say cash is always
2: mm-hmm.
0: best
1: when donating to a nonprofit.
0: Cash is easiest cash for sure.
1: We have to I mean we have to trust these nonprofit managers that they are spending as as Charlie was talking about, that they are spending the money in the right way, the responsible way, stretching it out and putting it where the need is is most acute and most and and most effective.
0: Right. And that need might shift from one place to another month to month or year to year.
1: Charlie, do you have a favorite program?
3: I would have answered grant for kid, but Barbara stole it. No, I'm kidding. Actually, I'm getting more and more excited all the time. I have been from the beginning, our family visitation center and actually our entire facility, because this is where we can see direct services in play. And we see the visitations and we hear some success stories during these supervised visits. And it's wonderful, but there's even more potential with the center that we have. And uh, we are looking to establish a, a tutoring program that can help complement our key success. There is visitation coaching on the horizon, potentially, so we can do a lot more with our center in direct services to our community. And it's not just the children; it's the caseworkers and educators, partners in this arena. So that I guess that would be
2: my my answer. Leave it to Charlie to be eloquent and put a, a great answer together.
0: <laughs> Definitely. I can just see it. I can see the joy welling up in that room. Yeah, I'm just kind of curious,
1: you know, if, if I were able to, to come over and, and just take a peek at the family visitation center when it, was, when it was full of families and kids, what would I see or what would I experience over there? Well, uh, if I may, uh, Barb, on this, we're really excited about
3: the way this center was designed housed within our facility we well we have administrative areas and then we have conference rooms that could be used for training and so on but the family visitation center itself was designed by board members and it was carefully set up to uh, to make a safe comfortable homey environment for visits and a lot of these families don't even have that option and within the center there's a great room with beautiful leather couches and foosball tables and a kitchenette so the families can have meals together, but there's also a, um, age-appropriate rooms, a, an infant room where with a beautiful crib and a place for uh, a mom or dad to sit with their infant, and adjoining that is an, a, a room for toddlers that has a lot of fun things for the toddlers to uh, play with. The walls are decorated, they're beautiful, and you do need to come see it. It really is uh, remarkable how well it was designed. We have a room for uh, uh, preschool, uh, preschool, right, Barb, for the preschoolers. And, again, it's just beautiful. It's, a, it's got a wonderful places to sit and read books. And then we also have a very special room set up for teens. We often forget about teens, but it's just a comfortable place that where the kids can just hang out. And in addition to that, we have a beautiful outdoor play area that has been completed. We had a lot of wonderful organizations in the area that helped build that out. It has a a beautiful wood uh, play set, uh, ramada with a picnic table, and it's, it's designed to just help families for that short time they're together feel very normal and safe and just to enjoy each other love it great oh, that I just, sounds
0: so nice
1: yeah i encourage everybody to go to ycfk.org that's yavapa casa for kids.org ycfk.org and right there there's a, a link right at the very top family visitation center click on that we're looking at the pictures right now as we're doing this interview and yeah it looks it looks lovely i'm wondering where where's my room
0: i know it could totally hang out in any of those rooms
1: yeah my understanding is people can come visit right you got some open houses coming up
2: We do. Yeah. So we really want our community and our partnering agencies to know what we're offering. So we have one coming up on Friday, October 15th of this year, where we're just going to have everybody can come in from 9am to 4pm. And they can just check out what we're doing here and what this space can offer.
0: So it sounds like a good place for people to show up if they have questions about volunteering, as well as if they know people who maybe, you know, might need a referral to your services. Yes. And
3: and you mentioned something, volunteers. Our um, uh, family visitation center manager, Laura Elam, has established a really terrific volunteer program. And we are looking for people to participate, to work with us. And like, you know, some of the new programs that we uh, hope to get in place will need volunteers. And then uh, Laura has established a training program. We are really trying to provide opportunity for the community to participate in this work.
1: Great. So if people want to to help staff the Family Visitation Center or, or do some other volunteering, they contact you and they can do that through that YCFK.org website, right? And that's separate from, from people if they want to become actual CASAs, court-appointed special advocates. They do that through the county. Am I right about that? Correct. Great. Great. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Again, go to that uh, YCFK.org and click on the Get Involved button, and then you'll find the form pretty quick.
0: Looks like there's lots of ways to help out and lots of ways to have fun getting involved.
2: Super duper fun.
1: Super duper fun. <laughs> so Kelly was talking about, you know, working upstream and, and trying to do prevention, but just just kind of in general, you know, and, you know, Charlie, you've kind of talked about the the big plans and the big visions that that the board has, and and in particular in hiring professional staff, you know, in five years, you know, what do you all want to see for uh, kids in this county, or maybe statewide? You talked about you know exporting your exporting your expertise. You know what's what's kind of the five year vision.
3: Well, that's a good question. And we are actually working on that uh, with the board. And we, in fact, we'll have a board retreat here in November where we'll get a little more into that. Uh, one of the things that uh, we want to be able to contribute to is the, our model, but also partnerships with other CASA support organizations, uh, share information exchange, sharing, sharing technology or program ideas. As a matter of fact, we will be meeting with our counterparts in Pima County Thursday to talk about this. We've met with uh, our Verde Valley Casa Support Organization. How can we work together? Because for us, it's about the kids. We never, ever, ever want to be territorial. It's what can we do as an organization in support of our children? They need us, and we need to make ourselves available for partnerships. And so we don't, we think the sky's the limit. You know, we we have some ideas that we, that we're going to be uh, discussing and and putting into play. Uh, Can't talk about all of that right now, but yeah. Oh, come on, give us a scoop, give us a scoop, Charlie.
2: (laughs) Go back and listen, there's a bunch of Easter eggs. Yes, I love it. (laughs) I want to interject really quickly and just say how lucky we are to have Charlie at this organization. Within that five years, him just kind of propelling us into that, that space. And so it's been really cool to have him, to be a part of his staff, and to be able to work with him in this vision. So we're really lucky in that, in that component. Thanks, Barb.
1: And, Barbara, you've got, uh, you've got a big project coming up. You've got a big gala coming up on the 18th of September.
2: Yes, we do. What are, what are, people, what are
1: people going to experience at this gala?
2: Nothing you've ever experienced before. Great answer. Uh, It's going to be super great. So it's a Masquerade Gala on September 18th, downtown at the Haseyampa Inn. Uh, Tickets are still available. Hopefully, they'll still be available. They're running out quickly. And there's going to be live entertainment, performance art, really awesome food. That's why I always go, right? Uh, You can have an excuse to finally wear the dress that's in the back of your closet. I mean, seriously, it's going to be a really, really, really cool event just to share with our community. I'm really excited. It's going to be awesome. And like I said, tickets are still available on our website, ycfk.org. And then you can always learn more about it on our Facebook and our Instagram. I'm always working hard to give you guys good content on that. So uh, check that out to see more about this event. It's going to be really awesome.
1: Wonderful. Thanks so much. And they can get tickets by going to the website and clicking on the events tab.
0: Yes. It's easy. Super easy. It's
2: actually on a banner on the website. You don't even have to dig. Wow.
1: Good, 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 good job, program and events person. What do you wish more people knew about the kids and families that you serve?
2: Charlie, you want to start? Yeah, these are, these
1: are just plain
3: old kids who've been caught in a very, very difficult place. And if we, uh, we, you know, we value them as people. We wish and hope the best, and that is actually what drives us in our mission: uh, is to is to help them get a good start in in as they move into adulthood, and even you know for the younger kids to have a more normal and peaceful life. And so, just whatever we can do to to make that happen, that's that's what we want to see.
2: Yeah, for me, I just want everybody to remember that these youth in the foster care system and their families are all around you. I think oftentimes we are able to forget. Uh, We kind of stick into our own groups. Uh, We stick into our own wherever we go. Right. But these are kids that are going to school with your kids, your grandkids, or who are walking past you on the street. And even, even if that person isn't going through the foster care system or going through whatever it is, right. Everybody has their own troubles. And so, Stay compassionate towards your neighbors and your people.
1: Well, gosh, thanks so, yes. thanks so much for that. You know, I want to
3: add something. Um, I, I won't state Barbara's age, but I will tell you: in all of the industries I've worked in, in you know, major companies throughout the world, uh, it's rare to find somebody with the competency and the creativeness and the uh, professionalism that we that we have in Barb. It's remarkable, and it is a pleasure to be able to have uh, her on our staff. She is committed to the mission. And I think you see it comes out, doesn't it? So I just am so grateful. It's just, I'm just grateful to have Barbara on our team.
2: Thank
1: you, Charlie. You know, I'm definitely, definitely incredibly impressed with with Barbara's professionalism and and passion as well. And, you know, we're so lucky to be served by the we're so lucky for this community to be served by the both of both of you. And, And thank you both so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having us, guys.
2: Thank you for having us.
1: Yeah. Thank you for your
3: thoughtful questions. We appreciate it.
0: Those two have such a great rapport and respect for each other. I love seeing that kind of teamwork because I know it means the work is really getting done and done well. Uh, I feel so grateful and relieved that the kids who are going through the toughest times of their lives and the people who are stepping up to support them are in such good hands.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm really glad we got to do this episode, and I and I hope. You know, it's the the relationship between the county and the courts and CASA's and the CASA Foundation is all clearer for everybody now. And I also hope that that Barbara's story and the stories that these two told, you know, make it clear that the kids that they work with are our kids from our families they're not some separate group of kids who are you know just kind of in the shadows that we don't really have to think about these are our neighbors these are our family members these are the these are the folks who are going to grow up and and take care of us when we get old uh these are our kids and our families and i hope people find a way to support the the casa foundation and the good news Unless you were already like making your mask and costume but hadn't bought your ticket yet. The good news is that the Casa Foundation Masquerade Gala sold out since we talked with Barb and Charlie. So you can still support the Casa for Kids Foundation in lots of ways. You can write them a check any day of the any day of the year. And there is another big event coming up October 30th. They're having a costumed 5K fun run and costume contest.
0: Woo-hoo.
1: Yeah. You can put a team together and use the hashtag squad ghouls to share and connect on social media.
0: Registration is $25 for runners 24 and up $20 for runners 17 to 23. I can't say the word 23, 23 years old and registration is free for youth 16 and under just go to ycfk.org and you can look for the events tab or you can go directly to ycfk.org events 5k-fun-run to find out more to register or to become a sponsor register before october 6th to get your t-shirt in time for race day and if you are a kinship or foster family, you can register for free. Just reach out to Barb at org and she'll give you your unique coupon code so you can register for free.
1: And Kelly and I have decided that we're going to participate in the, in the run. We're going to walk it.
0: Go yeah, ahead. we're probably just going to walk. But we hope to see you out
1: there. Let's let's do something fun. Let's do something outside. Let's dress in costumes and Woohoo! support support our local kids. And also, let's be sure to subscribe to this podcast and to Prescott Woman Magazine so you never miss a moment of local goodness. You know what? I don't think I'm actually I should I even say this? I don't think I'm subscribed.
0: Well, it's been a year. Yeah.
1: So join me in subscribing to the Prescott Woman magazine
0: podcast. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening.
1: Prescott Woman podcast is produced by Rocket Feather Creative.